0: Welcome to another edition of Anthony T's Horror Show. I'm Anthony T. In this edition, I will be joined by Philip Perot next segment as we're going to talk about our favorite 10 films of 2020. Then, afterwards, we will be moving forward, like into 2021. In what's Anthony T watching? Yours truly will be reviewing a film. That is definitely not rated PG. Even though it says it in the film's title, the film is not rated PG. I will get to that after I talk about the top ten films of 2020. And after that I have a major announcement as yours truly has decided to do what every other Podcast is virtually doing. I finally gave in to it on Facebook, so I'll talk more about that at the end of the podcast. Now, normally I would have the news, but since this is yet another best of 2020 episode, I'm not going to have time with news because seriously, I really don't want to talk about the trailer for the new Godzilla vs. King Kong film. I also don't want to talk about all these release date changes, as yes, there have been films that have moved their release date to later in 2021. I'll probably get to that next episode, but this is about the best of 2020. So, when I come back... I will be joined by Philip Perlman from Doc Discussions Podcast. And we're going to take a look back at the year of 2020 with our top 10 films of the year. Every day there's a family struggling with hospital bills to care for their sick child who is fighting an illness. There's a woman who is fighting breast cancer and is having trouble making ends meet while paying for their treatment. And there are burn victims that are going through treatments to heal their deep wounds. There is a charity in the horror community that helps these people. Scares That Care is an organization that helps families deal with the bills for their child. They help women get the treatment they need to fight breast cancer. And they help people who are dealing with severe burns get the help they need to heal. Scares That Care is a 100% volunteer organization and 501c3 nonprofit charity that is dedicated to helping these people in fighting real monsters. To find out more information or to donate to Scares That Care, you can go to www.scaresthatcare.org. Every donation helps Scares That Care Fight real monsters. Hey
1: guys, this is Stephen Christina. I'm the founder,
0: owner, creator, and host of Super Retro Throwback Reviews. Are you looking for the best movie reviews, music reviews, video game reviews, and Comic Con coverage all around? Well, then look no further. Definitely check out Super Retro Throwback Reviews on YouTube and our
1: new audio podcast, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews Audio Files version 2.0 on the following media distributors Podbean, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud itunes and spotify
0: class is over john now for something new and improved welcome back to Anthony t's horror show i'm here with philip perone from Doc discussions podcast and we're going to talk about the top 10 films of 2020 how are you doing today philip
1: well uh could be better um i've had unfortunately a passing uh yesterday um my father came down with covid on january 2nd and 12 days later, he passed away. So, he, he, uh, passed away yesterday and did the funeral things this morning with my siblings. Uh, we're, we're holding up, but this will take my mind off of, uh, the real world for a little bit.
0: Definitely, I want to ex, before I do that, extend my sympathies to you and your family.
1: Yes, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, there's been a lot of, um, uh, warmth from, uh, social media. Uh, from uh, people I work with, uh, neighbors, yourself, and and it's greatly appreciated because uh, we're living in a a, a terrible time, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it hit me uh, real hard yesterday. And uh, yeah, you know, it's is such as is life, and we move on.
0: So before we get into the top ten films, what are your thoughts about the horror releases from this year?
1: That's a good question. I, I know a lot of folks were. Uh, somewhat disappointed and yet for every person that said so uh there was always someone that said it was really good and um i would say that uh the very top you know the close to the top 10 is really really good so whether everything after that was just whatever at least the, the top uh, 10 i felt were, were real strong uh there was, a, there was a really good amount of films i felt
0: yeah i was surprised that we got a lot of really good indie films this year films that you probably never would hear of films that probably would not make a top 10 list because every year you usually get a lot of good horror films from the major studios, but this year really provides some really interesting films to say the least.
1: Yeah, I would concur with that. Um, sometimes, uh, the more mainstream films kind of uh, overshadow everything else, which is only because people have heard of them and they're pushed big by big companies, but always uh, there's a lot of really good gems. Uh, one of my co-hosts on Dark Discussions a long time ago said to me or, or, or uh, to a bunch of folks is that you can make up a top 10 most wanted, meaning, meaning the, the films that you're most looking forward to. And at the end of the year – that top ten will be completely different because it'll be a lot of films that you didn't even know existed until they appeared on VOD.
0: Yeah, this year, pretty much all the most anticipated films with the exception of one uh, never got released this year because of the current situation going on. But at least it provided a couple of surprises this year, in my opinion, within the, in terms of films that I did not think would be Great, but turned out to be very good films. Indeed,
1: yeah, there 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 was a, a lot of good gems that uh, um, I'm w- wondering if if people who listen to your podcast may already know about because uh, you have a, an astute listening base. So I don't know if we're going to have too many surprises, but for people who aren't as familiar with the horror community, uh, horror film releases and whatnot. Uh, they may find some uh, a lot of hidden gems that uh, we're going to bring up tonight.
0: On that note, why don't we start off our top ten list. Uh, Philip, what is your number ten film for this year?
1: Sure, sure. Uh, now, uh, I know that we're doing a top genre films, so that isn't just horror films. Uh, you mentioned that sci science fiction and thrillers and fantasy and all that can be included as well. Um, and this will be a controversial choice for you, and it's probably the only mainstream film I have on the list and uh, that is uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, I have it as number 10, because uh, it's definitely not as good as the other nine films on my list. However, uh, just to see Gal Gadot back in action as Wonder Woman, uh, to see her on, on what, what is the big screen at home, because I, I saw it on HBO Max, like most folks did. Uh, Kristen Wiig, uh was fantastic as, as Cheetah and as Barbara Minerva. She really... uh. It was like uh, toe-to-toe with Gal Gadot's character and, and uh, screen time, never mind acting ability. And I know a lot of people liked uh, Pascal as well. Um, I felt that was the kind of the, the weaker arc and the, the reason the screenplay was, I guess, a jumbled mess. But uh, just to have uh, Wonder Woman back on uh, the screen was, was uh, uh, really good for me.
0: It was a really big year for Pedro Pascal between that and The Mandalorian. Which definitely, people should definitely check out The Mandalorian. If you're into horror or not, it's a really great show. And Pedro Pascal is great in that show and also in Wonder Woman 1984. For me, it felt like a step down because it just felt too long at the two and a half hour running time. Plus, I think also what hurt my enjoyment a little bit was the fact that I did not see this film in a theater, which probably helped in me really not liking this film a lot. It's a three-star film in my book, but I probably would have enjoyed it a little more if it was in theaters. But
1: Yeah, and and if people are smart, they will avoid theaters as much as possible at, at this point. Uh, but you're right. Wonder Woman 1984 would have been probably very spectacular on theaters. I know they were, had a big IMAX release scheduled for it, and obviously a lot of that was scuttled because of the pandemic. Uh, Pedro Pascal also, uh, as folks know, was in, in Game of Thrones. Um, and that's where he first really got notice. Uh, and he was great there. Uh, but he's also in another film that people have, may have missed because it's under the radar, and it's also, uh, VOD. And young adult, uh, but Robert Rodriguez, the director, um, directed him in We Can Be Heroes, which is a 2020 superhero, young adult film on Netflix, uh, and it came out, I think, two or three days before Wonder Woman. And uh, my kids watched that, and I thought it was was great, and he, and uh, he was he was great in that film as well as uh, a number of other big actors like uh, Priyanka Jonas was was in it as well.
0: Now, my number 10 film is also going to be a little controversial here. Because of the way that Shudder presented this. When they released Blood Machines, they released it in like three episodes. But you can clearly tell if you're watching it episodically that this is just one straight film. In and I consider it in my top ten as a straight film because after doing a little research on the film, it was basically intended to be a film and not like three episodes. But I can understand what Shutter was probably trying to do because of all the graphics and everything. But this film is very good. This film has a lot of great effects. I love the grindhouse look that this film has. As you could clearly tell, it's grainy and something you'd probably see in a Grindhouse film. This film also has a very good final act and a very killer score that helps drive this film along with its killer visuals throughout the whole film. Definitely check out Blood Machines if you have Shudder.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I oddly saw kind of let it pass by because of exactly what you said they broke it into like three parts so i thought it was just some sort of mini series or whatnot so i i never saw it um and i always wanted to go back to it because i did then started reading reviews and and people talking about it like yourself saying it was really good um and so unfortunately i missed it for my 2020 list for consideration but uh all I've heard is, is basically what you said, which is uh it's really good. So my number nine, uh speaking of Shudder, this is another Shudder film. Uh they I guess it's kinda considered a Shudder original, even though uh I don't know if they produced it. I think they just bought it. But uh this film is called Anything for Jackson. Uh it came out late in, in the year, Q four. Uh it's directed by Justin Dick and uh written by Keith Cooper. Uh these two guys, um, are well-known for Lifetime, Holiday, and Family movies. And uh, they always wanted to come out with a horror film, and so they put one together. And it got fantastic reviews uh, by critics as well as audiences, and rightfully so because it's a, a really good horror film with a lot of scares, uh, oddly uh, uh, some moments of dark humor, but all in all a straight uh, horror film and uh, very tragic as well.
0: It, this was one of those films that I literally forgot to watch at the end of the year. Part of it maybe because it was released at the end of the year, and usually you're trying to rush through 10 million films at the end of the year, so it pretty much flew under the radar for me, but it did look interesting when I saw the trailer for the film.
1: Yep, uh, it, it, it really is, so definitely worth checking out when, when you have some time.
0: My number nine is the first of two documentaries in my top ten. Now, this is a film that I've been wanting to see ever since hearing about this film on the film festival circuit. It's called Wolfman's Got Nods. It is a documentary on the Monster Squad and how the film has survived its following over the years. Film is directed by Andrew Gower, who is in the Monster Squad film. One of the things I really loved about this documentary is this film does a really good job getting various perspectives of this cult classic. Whether it's the making of the film, whether it's focusing on the fans of the film, or the various celebrities that loved the film. It gets a lot of perspective, and it really makes this documentary a very entertaining one. I like how it moves at a very good pace. This is a documentary that doesn't slow down, and it's really a film that you should check out if you really love The Monster Squad, as this is probably the best documentary you're probably going to get out of this film. It's definitely worth checking out you can get it on blu-ray and vod
1: yeah I, I haven't seen it um but i i have to say uh i have a a five-year-old and seven-year-old uh two girls and um i introduced them to this film in 2020 and uh yeah they they pr- had the same experience as i did uh when i saw it as a youngster and i uh, loved it um because it has the the nod to the universal monsters. And I, before the, the pandemic, I brought them to conventions and I used to get pictures with people dressed up cosplaying in these type of creatures and whatnot. And so, uh, I was able to, that was my first time revisiting the film since, uh, I was a youngster. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great movie and, uh, I can understand why there would be a documentary on the movie because, uh, it does definitely has a huge fan base.
0: Yeah, another thing that I liked about that also was the fact that it was directed by one of the stars of the film, which is usually a rarity when it comes to these hard docs.
1: Yeah, that's actually really good because uh, not only is there a person there that got to see uh, behind the scenes firsthand, but also uh, they were obviously easier to get a hold of people who were involved because it's you know, a lot of people that are involved in films are are obviously timid when a documentarian comes to them because they don't know if the documentarian is going to spin it a certain way or or are they legit? But because it was a, one of the stars of the film, that makes makes sense that uh, he, he would be able to uh, get such a, a great uh, thing going because it is have a hundred percent or not, it has a hundred percent good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. So he he did a good job for sure. Uh, my number eight, all right, this is uh, another uh, horror film that no one really heard of until it actually came out. Uh, This one came out, I believe, in Q2 of 2020 and uh, was high on many lists at the very beginning of the year. It kind of lost some of its luster by the end of the year because, uh, as we, we see, a lot of great films started coming out even later in the year, even though this one's still a great film, and this film is called 1BR. Uh One BR is a very small budgeted film. It stars a newcomer named Nicole Bryden Bloom, who's actually uh, from Connecticut. The director is David Marmor, uh producer's Alec Mishra. Um they're really um lovers of the genre. Uh the film actually came became number one or number in the top five films on Netflix when it finally was released on Netflix. If you like films about cults, uh, and maybe even a end of the world thing based off of a little twist at the end uh this film is really good. I recommend and I see uh big things in the future, especially for the lead actress Nicole Bright and Bloom.
0: That's a film that I really wanted to see but never had the time i re- and I kind of am kicking myself as this is. A few films this year that I wanted to see but never had the time. But I, I may check that one out soon. Yeah,
1: yeah. If, if you're interested in checking it out and uh, getting uh, some interviews from the film, I, I was actually lucky enough as, as a joke. I, I wrote on, I saw uh, them on Twitter, and I, I just tweeted out to them, and, and I got the lead actress, the director, and the producer on. Uh, my show and I interviewed them uh, as a joke. We did it like a few weeks after we recorded our episode re- reviewing the film. But yeah, if you're interested, I am I, I, uh, friends with them now on Facebook. So I, I could probably help you out there. Just a heads up.
0: Okay, thank you. My number eight film is Back to Shudder. as a lot of these films on my list you can find on Shudder. This is a film that had no intentions of being good. In fact, I probably wasn't even planning on seeing this film until I started hearing a buzz on this film. So I decided to check it out. And oh yes, it's a really good film. And it's probably one of the best films shot using modern technology as they shot this film on Zoom. I'm talking about Host. Now, this is a film that is directed by Rob Savage. He does a very great job directing everything here. Because he does a very good job with his screenplay, building up the characters, alongside writer Gemma Hurley. He also does a great job piecing everything together. Because this is one of those films where... You didn't have a cast interacting with each other. It was like him working with one actor, then piecing it into the final product. It was something that I learned this year while doing an interview for another film, Social Distance. But it's just amazing how this technology zoom is starting to catch on with filmmaking and the fact that we can just direct one actress, then piece it together to make sure all the chemistry is there with all the other actresses and it really does a great job doing that because you could not tell that this film was pieced together as the chemistry between the actresses were spot on and this film has an insane third act which really what makes this film very good and very entertaining. Definitely check out host on Shutter when you can.
1: Yeah, I actually saw this one. Um uh I I, I thought it was a pretty solid film. Uh I, I definitely wasn't blown away with it as I, I was thinking I would be because a lot of people were, were talking how good great it was when it first came out. Uh so I may have had my expectations a little too high. Uh but all in all it's it's a really good film. Uh, it's only 50 minutes long, believe it or not. So it's, it's. I don't know if that's even considered a feature length, but it's a UK product, and it it is very familiar because it's it's similar to Unfriended and films like that. I I don't think it's as good as those films. Uh, they do show a little more than tell, like uh, Unfriended, uh, at least the first one. But uh, all in all, a, a nice little 50 minute horror film for sure.
0: Okay, your number seven film? Uh,
1: this one is probably my second most expensive film made. Uh, obviously, Wonder Woman 1984 was. Uh, this one was actually was supposed to be released at theaters, uh, but of course, with the pandemic, forget about it. This one is uh, kind of more of an action film, even though it has monsters in it, and uh, it is called Love and Monsters. came out in Q4 of 2020. It's directed by a guy named Matthew, uh, Michael Matthews. Uh, and it stars uh, a number of uh, uh, notable folks, uh, including uh, Michael Rooker. Ellen Holman has a role in it, uh, but the lead... Oh, Jessica Henwick, but the lead is uh, Dylan O'Brien, most uh, notably known for the, a trilogy of films that came out uh, some time ago uh, called Maze Runner. And uh, this one here is basically a post-apocalypse film where chemicals have turned cold-blooded animals into giant monsters and it's about a coming of age in a sense where our lead character played by Don O'Brien is trying to leave one underground bunker and go 80 miles to find his uh, girlfriend from before the apocalypse and uh, you get to meet a dog on the way that becomes his companion and then uh, Michael Rooker plays a pivotal role as like a father figure Uh, Special effects are great. Uh, It has some humor and some very suspenseful moments, and it's a fun film. Uh, Even family-friendly, though for older folk, because it is PG-13, but uh, very high recommend.
0: Yeah, I recently picked this one up as that recently came out on Blu-ray, so I have to check that one out.
1: Well, yeah, that's a good pickup, so uh, well done grabbing it.
0: My number 7 film is Shallow. This is one of those films where it's dealing more psychological, horror, thriller. It has great direction from Carlos Marabella Davis as he does a very good job making sure that the action is moving even though most of the scenes are dramatic scenes. They are literally focusing on the main character and all their psychological problems, which is causing all the chaos in the film. The film has a great performance also by Haley Bennett, and she really is an actress that should get more work. She does a great job with the lead character here, as that helped make the film entertaining and it helped really move the film along definitely check out shallow when you have a chance um yeah yeah uh yeah you mean swallow right swallow oh i i am so sorry it's swallow yes yeah, i hate yeah. am i hate amazon fire i really do they always change the words on you at the last minute indeed indeed
1: um yeah swallow is a is a really good film uh, it's it's a very strong character study. I have it on my top 20. I don't have it on my top 10, probably because the third act isn't as strong as the first two acts. Uh, Hilly Bennett most certainly was fantastic in the film. She's actually almost broken into A-list in the past with some, some films uh, she worked on, A Girl on a Train with Emily Blunt and a few other films. Hasn't made it. Don't know if she will, but either way, she's a fine presence on screen and uh, really hit it out of the ballpark for this this very disturbing film.
0: My apologies, everyone. You're number six.
1: Okay, this film uh, was another one that just popped up out of the blue, and I hadn't heard of it until it appeared, and I, I watched it on Open at Night when it popped up on VOD. Uh, usually those are Tuesdays or Fridays, and this came out uh, in Q3. And, uh, out of the blue, I, I actually sent out, I thought the film was so good. I actually, as a joke, sent out a, a message out to the director to see if he, if, uh, he would come on. And, and out of the blue, he came on my, my podcast, total surprise that he did. And, uh, he's actually more well known for the TV series Black Summer. And I had no idea that he was the man behind Black Summer until. He came on my show because, uh, I just thought it was some unknown indie director and I wanted to help promote this, this great film. And uh, this film is called Alone. Uh, it's a 2020 thriller, uh, by, directed by John Hyams, uh, starring, uh, a woman named Jules Wilcox and, uh, Mark Manchaka, who, uh, Mark Menchaca is, is known for season one of Ozark. Also Anthony Heald, a well-known character, actors in it as well. It's basically about a woman who is traveling from, Cal- I think it's California to Washington State or, or, or the vice versa, and she's moving, and she, be- she pisses off somebody on the road, and this guy um, begins to harass her, and we find out that maybe he's not just uh, a road rage person, but possibly a serial killer. Uh, very suspenseful film. Uh, very dramatic. Um, Jules Wilcox actually got the role because she had, uh, was an extra on uh, Chicago Fire or Chicago PD when uh, John Hyams had, had directed one of the episodes of that show, and he liked her a lot, and he brought her on to this film. And uh, uh, very high recommend. Uh, it's actually a, a remake of uh, a film called Forsvunden from Sweden. Uh, and oddly, the screenwriter of that film also wrote the, screen, the screenplay for this American version. And that man was uh, Matthias Olsen.
0: I almost watched that film, too, at the end. There was, like, a couple films that I regretted not watching this year. This was one of them. I did pick up the film because I heard it was supposed to be very good. I just never had the time. And then again, I never had the time for Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor as well, so.
1: Yeah, I, I missed that one too, unfortunately, Possessor, yeah. Yeah,
0: it's just it's amazing. You, you get all these films and you just run out of time, literally.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, literally, it sums it up, yeah.
0: My number six film is a horror anthology film, and no, it's not Glenn Danzig's Veronica. If you listened to last episode, I pretty much went on a 10-minute rant on that film. Literally, at the end of the horror whammies. Because I was literally so pissed off. That was like the only film that really pissed me off in 2020. But enough with Glenn Danzig's Veronica. We're thinking positive here, not negative. I'm talking about the horror anthology film The Mortuary Collection, which ended up on Shudder. Now, this is a film that I decided to see when I had a friend of mine write about the film. And he told me it was really good, so I figured I'd eventually check it out. I like Clancy Brown a lot, so that's going to make me check it out. But I was really surprised that this was a very good horror anthology film. Director Ryan Spindell does a very good job making sure every story, including the film's wraparound segment, is very good. This film has some very horrifying moments, including the first segment with the woman in the restroom. That was creepy. This film also has a very creepy performance by Clancy Brown as Montgomery Doc. I really think this guy could pull off the tall man after this film. Because I got tall man vibes watching Clancy Brown play Montgomery Doc in the film. Everything has a gothic and airy feel to it. It's definitely worth checking out. It's on shutter right now.
1: Yeah, th- this film, um, I wasn't really a fan of, um, if folks know me based off of listening to the dark discussions podcast i'm a uh, person that's not much of a fan of anthology films uh this film uh was chosen by one of my co-hosts as a film to uh review uh and out of the folks that reviewed it there's five of us uh myself and one other co-host Eric. Uh, did not like this film at all i was a little more forgiving than eric because being an anthology include if you include the wraparound story there's five stories and, this, and uh, I, I loved the fourth story, and uh, I enjoyed the first story, as you mentioned, and the wraparound story was pretty solid, but I felt the two middle stories were, were absolutely terrible, at least for me. And so I actually almost put this as the worst horror film I've seen in 2020, but I believe there's another film that, you, oddly, you're, you're going to mention tonight that I, I actually – disliked even more than this one, uh, but I could see why people do like it because there is a couple of solid segments uh, in it, and um, it was uh, a film that that has been getting uh really good reviews based off of uh critical responses from if you go to like Rotten tomatoes or whatnot it's getting around seventy or eighty percent so uh, my number five film uh, this is another one, a surprise film that came out of nowhere It came out in q two I believe of this of twenty twenty. And it got a lot of buzz because it was this independent film that actually became the top box office film for three to five weeks, maybe even eight weeks. I can't even remember. But but it dominated the summer at box offices because it played at drive in theaters and drive in theaters do uh, include or I should say are included in box office. Um, and due to the pandemic drive-ins are obviously something that uh, is in vogue again and uh, this film I'm discussing or talking about is called The Wretched it's directed by a couple of brothers named the P.S. Brothers starring pretty much Unknown and basically it's about this kid that goes to live with his father during the summer because uh, he kind of got in trouble at school and whatever and so try to clear his head and when he goes out there there's uh, one of the lakes of michigan there's some sort of supernatural presence that's in the forest that suddenly has come back from many years of dormancy and uh, he has to figure out the mystery and prevent it from happening, and uh, it actually has a, a interesting ending as well, so a uh, big thumbs up, high recommend.
0: Yeah, I also enjoyed The Wretched as well, it's not in my top ten, but I had a very good time with the film, it was very creepy, it really made this a very entertaining film, and it had very good performances as well. Sure did, yep. My number five film is another documentary. I told you I had two documentaries on this list. Now, this is a film that I think should have gotten a better distribution deal, in my opinion. I'm talking about Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. This is a very great documentary on the career of Mark Patton who's most notably known for Nightmare on Elm Street 2. This film dives into various subjects, including the LGBT issue in the 1980s, the film Nightmare on Elm Street 2, how the film ruined his career, why he left the film business and disappeared to Mexico, and uh, why he was blaming the screenwriter, David Chaskin, for really ruining his career. It also examines his childhood. It's well structured. It explains why the film is a cult classic. It's definitely a very good documentary. If you're a fan of A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 or the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I highly recommend you check this documentary out.
1: Yeah I, I have not seen it. Uh, I haven't ever seen Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So when this documentary popped up, I think it's on Shudder, I kind of just passed over it because um, I uh, hadn't seen, like I said, the the second film. It definitely sounded like it was going to be very, I guess, depressing based off of the the things you said, and that that was another reason why I decided to pass on it. And I, I wasn't quite sure if the documentary would have all sides. You know, did they interview... The screenwriter did they interview the director or whatever I, yeah I don't they know. So the
0: director's in this documentary there's also one point where we get Mark Patton actually trying to look for the screenwriter and they do have a one-on-one meeting it's a very good documentary
1: yeah interesting all right
0: yeah, yeah so uh that's what I heard I heard it's getting pretty
1: good reviews and uh people enjoying it like like yourself uh, so yeah, if you're a fan of the Nightmare on Elm Street films, uh, it's probably worth checking out. I, I do know, or at least I've heard that the second film isn't as strong as, as one and three. But if you're a fan of the series, uh, obviously you want to check it out. And, and if you've seen the film, why not watch the documentary? All right. Uh, this is another film that came out of nowhere, uh, that I, I didn't know too much about. And, uh, it's actually, uh, produced and stars and one of the roles, the brother of uh, one of my favorite musicians, uh, Taylor Swift. And this film is called We Summon the Darkness. Uh, we Summon the Darkness is a film that has actually has a, a number of uh, screen queens or, or final girls or whatever you want to call it, uh, including some big names like Alexandra Daddario. But also Maddie Hasson is really good in the film as well. As I mentioned, uh, Taylor Swift's brother, Austin Swift, was one of the stars, as well as Logan Miller, who's been in a number of genre films, uh, including uh, *Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse* and a, a few others. This film uh, is a, another film with that that has horror elements, but it also has some uh, dark humor. I I really liked this film a lot. Uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, *Satanic Panic*, though not as Uh, Tongue-in-cheek is that film from 2019, but if you like cult films uh, like with, you know, devil worship type stuff and some humor in your horror that isn't over the top or tongue-in-cheek, this film is the film for you. Yeah, so we summon the darkness. Uh, Big thumbs up for me.
0: You forgot to also mention Johnny Knoxville also stars in this film as well. That is true.
1: As the minister. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep, the father. I plays the father character of uh, one of the other characters in the
0: film. I won't
1: mention it because that kind of um, uh is one of the, the twists.
0: I really thought the performances were very good as well. It didn't get to my top ten, but it's still a very good film people should check out. My number four film is a film that I think you are not going to like. And I can understand people not liking this film. Because this is indie horror at its roots. It's basic independent filmmaking. And the fact that it's very surreal. It's a film called The Deeper You Dig. Now, I discovered this film on Shudder. Figured, oh yeah, it's a 2020 film. Might as well see it. Just to get another film onto the list. Never did I think I would really like this film a lot. And one of the reasons why I really liked this a lot was the fact that this film is just so surreal. It has some very dark supernatural moments in the film. This was done by a family, oddly enough. As the film was directed by John Adams and Toby Poser... The film also has Zelda Adams 2 in the film as, uh, Toby Pose's daughter, Echo. This was one of those weird, surreal films that I liked a lot. It's very supernatural, very gothic, and it's worth checking out if you're really into the basics of independent films or indie horror. Yeah, I think, uh,
1: the reason I didn't like it was for the reasons you did. Um, I felt the surreal elements didn't fit with the rest of the story. I could understand why most not a lot of people like it. Uh, we actually did the film on my podcast, The Dark Discussions podcast on a suggestion by co-host Eric. Oddly, no one was necessarily overwhelmed with the film, but most of the folks on the podcast liked it except me. I was the only person that that actually um, disliked it uh, uh very much I actually have it as my worst film of 2020, um, and and it's not because it's not well made, uh, but more because of the surreal elements that I, I still have no idea how they fit in with the rest of the story. But all in all, um, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm probably in the minority. All right, uh, so out of my top ten, only three of the films I heard of prior to the. 2020 year beginning uh, wonder woman 1984 obviously I, I heard of and then this film here and my number two this film here actually is a director that i kind of follow because uh, I've, I've liked his prior films and that's the the main reason why i knew it was coming out and um that film is called VFW. this film is directed by joe Begos and uh, oddly, he had a film that came out only a month. This came out in, in January, so Q1 of 2020, and in Q4 of 2019, he had another film that literally came out uh, by another, I believe, production company called Bliss, and that film was great, too. Um, he, he's, he's a director out of Connecticut, near Danbury, Connecticut. Another film he did was Almost Human, Mind's Eye, which actually takes place in Danbury, Connecticut. And this one here uh, has a really great cast, of people. A lot of well known actors including uh Martin Cove who's the star of Cobra Kai, which uh is a is a well known show right now on Netflix. Uh but Stephen Lang stars in it, Fred Williamson, everybody knows him, uh William Sadler. It's basically a bunch of uh in a post apocalypse punk world, a bunch of ex military guys hanging out at the local VFW unfortunately gets stuck into a tr- a drug war because some woman that stole some drugs runs into the VFW and then these all drugged out punks begin to surround the VFW and they have to fight for their life. Uh so it's a, a uh shoot 'em or sack 'em type of film and really great film. Uh I actually thought this would be my best film of the year for a long time. Um and uh it still is one of the the best uh I, in, in any year i could have this as a, as a top uh three horror film again big big thumbs up uh F W.
0: yeah that was also a very good film as well i enjoyed it a lot it's not on my top 10 but i like the action in the film plus there's some very good performances from william sadler and stephen lang it's definitely worth checking out My number three is a film that hit theaters this year. Just right before theaters closed. Is Leigh Whannell's The Invisible Man. When I first heard about this film, I thought to myself, why are they remaking The Invisible Man? But of course, Leigh Whannell was going to direct, so... I was going to see this film anyway, because I loved his last one, Upgrade. But this film really surprised me a lot. It showed that Leigh Whannell can direct performances, as there's a lot of dramatic material within this film. It also has a very great performance by Elizabeth Morse, as I think that was pretty much the best performance all year. She really does a great job making her character emotional. Which was needed for this film to work. And I also like how they use the technology to its advantage in this film. Because this could have easily gone south. Because it was the Invisible Man for like the 500th time. But I like how this felt a lot different from previous versions of The Invisible Man. Is definitely one of the best films of the year. And it's my number three film.
1: Yeah, uh this film actually uh doesn't make my top ten combined list, but uh my horror list that I, I have for the Dark Discussions podcast, uh it is a top ten horror uh, horror film for me. Uh I too am a, a big Lee one all fan. Uh I thought Upgrade was the best film of 2018 and I ranked it as my favorite genre film of 2018 and arguably one of my favorite films in the past few years. Um, So when when this one came out, I was very excited as well. Um, Obviously, my expectations were probably hyped because Upgrade was the greatest film ever. Um, That when I saw this film, uh, it didn't match Upgrade, I feel, and I actually think Upgrade showed already that Leigh uh was a great director. So uh, this really was just a follow-up as a director, so the question was, would it be as good? And, and most cr- critics say, most certainly, it is as good. I'm just a little less, because I, I guess I'm more into the cyberpunk feel. Uh, I love cyberpunk uh, even more than horror so, I, I prefer upgrade. But this film, yes, I agree. It's a, it's a great film. Though, even though Moss was great, uh, there was a really a lot of great, uh, female roles in horror this year. And, uh, I, I know of a, a handful or more that were probably equal or even better, uh, including my number one when we, we get to it. And my number two. But, oh no, yeah, you're right. Uh, Moss will, uh, hit it out of the ballpark. Okay, yeah, my number two film, uh, actually surpassed my, number three film is the best film of the year uh when it came out uh and i thought this film too would hang on to be the best film of the year uh and it did pretty close until q4 uh and this film was the third and last film i heard of before 2020 began um and this film is called the lodge uh the lodge is a film directed by uh the the two german or Austrian directors, uh, either either way, they're Teutonic folk. Uh, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala, who I think directed the film Goodbye, Mommy. And I didn't really like that film. I felt that film was kind of a ripoff of uh, A Tale of Two Sisters, among other films. So I wasn't really looking forward to this film, even though I knew it was coming out. Uh, Though I did like the, the lead actress, Riley Q., who um, is probably well-known for a number of genre films, including Mad Max and being the granddaughter of the king, Elvis Presley. She really is awesome in this film. And uh, the film is about cults, which is always a good thing. Big twists, because is the film really supernatural or not? Uh, And the ending blows you away. I really, really like this film, and it's a high recommend it's 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 dark brooding slow film but when it has its scary moments they're really great
0: that's a film that i literally totally forgot all year for some reason is when you're inundated with films some films usually get lost in the shuffle and the lodge i think was one of those films that i wanted to see but never got the time this year for some reason because I, like, literally went through 70 films this year, which is, like, a record for me. And I kind of missed that one, too.
1: Yeah, if, if uh, you haven't seen it, definitely try to check it out. Uh, I know it's free on Hulu, and it may be available other places for free. Uh, but obviously, you know, you can rent it or, or, or buy the disc or whatever, anywhere. But uh, definitely check it out when you have some time.
0: My number two film is a film that I was looking forward to. In fact, it was the only film that I was anticipating in 2020 that was released. It was the Richard Stanley-Nicholas Cage collaboration. I wondered how this film would turn out. And thankfully it really turned out to be a very surreal, very... Dark film. I'm talking about Color Out of Space, which is based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. This was the first narrative film from Richard Stanley in what seems like ages. You literally have to go back to, I believe, 1992 for his last narrative film, because he's lately been doing shorts in documentaries. I really don't know why it took so long between 1992 and 2020 for a narrative feature for Richard Stanley. Because I think that he is very good with narrative features. Check out his cult classic hardware for that example. And this film as well. He really does a great job directing this film. He actually is able to control Nicolas Cage for most of the film, which is good. Because some films you just get the typical Nicolas Cage performance. And every time it just gets annoying. Thankfully he was toned down somewhat for most of the scenes. And when you got the typical Nicolas Cage performance in that scene, it was worth Because you don't have to have him go neurotic every two seconds. I like how he's able to control the typical neurotic of Nicolas Cage. As he really makes sure to bring that out of him when he he needs it. And it really helped with Nicolas Cage's performance in the film. Because I think this is one of his better films in the last 10 years alongside Mandy. He also has very good effects with this film, as the effects in this film are amazing. In fact, this would probably be the best film with special effects if it wasn't for Blood Machines, which I talked about, which was just pretty much an effects fest. But I like how everything looked good with the effects, as it really contributed to the tension and dread as it gave the scenes an airy vibe to them, which is needed to emulate an H.P. Lovecraft film. Definitely check out Color Out of Space. It's a very good H.P. Lovecraft adaptation.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is an interesting film because uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Richard Stanley. Uh, First off, this doesn't make my top ten uh, c- combined list but it, it did make my top uh 20 combined list Richard Stanley kind of got blacklisted because of the fiasco of uh, the island of Dr. Marneau where he was brought on by big budget Hollywood after like you said hardware um, and he was the next big director and his c- career got derailed and he got blacklisted because of that film because the producers wanted their say and whatever and he kind of hung up so to speak directing, uh, until a couple of folks that produced this film, uh, Daniel Noah uh, and Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings, uh, convinced him to come back and offered him full reign. And once again, as it shows, um, he's more the director of hardware than the, the crap-fest the producers screwed up with on the island of Dr. Marno. Yeah, Nicolas Cage was really good in this film. So he got a career boost as well as Richard Stanley because of this film. It is a good adaptation. Uh, the story is hard to to uh, beat because the story is just absolutely phenomenal. They changed it to the present day, uh, obviously, because the story is from the 19-teens, basically. Um, and, yeah, the special effects are really good and uh, the acting was great, good cast, because it did have, like, Julie Richardson as well as Tommy Chong. Uh, So I would agree, Uh, most people like this. Uh, I know one of my co-hosts, Mike, from The Dark Discussions, actually rated it as his best horror film of the year.
0: Yeah, even Tommy Chong didn't seem like the typical Tommy Chong performance. As he was toned down, that is literally a credit to Stanley's direction as well. Indeed.
1: Indeed. And and, uh, they're already talking uh, of him doing another H.P. Lovecraft film uh, with Elijah Wood and Daniel Noah, um, because they they all worked really good uh, as producer to director that uh, they're thinking of bringing him back and maybe do three or four more films. So I don't think we've seen the last of uh, Richard Stanley.
0: I hope not, because he's a very talented director when given full control.
1: You know, it's funny, too. He's still fairly young. He's only 54. So it just shows you how much success he had back in the 90s before his career got derailed. And now uh, 30 years later, uh, now that he's not in his 20s and he's more mature in his 50s, and he has the right producers, I think you're right. I think uh, we're going to see some good stuff in the next 15 to 20 years from Richard Stanley.
0: Okay, Phil, what is your number one film of 2020? Yeah, this is another one uh, that blew me away.
1: Uh this one actually came out in Q four. It is also on Shudder. It actually stars a pretty good actress that, that was in a horror film called Emily a few years ago. That's a babysitter horror film. Uh she's a uh Irish actress. But this film here is a northern Irish film. Uh and it's called A Good Woman Is Hard to Find. Basically, again it's on Shudder, so anybody who subscribes to Shudder can see this. It's considered more of a thriller than horror but there's pretty some horrific elements that happen but basically she's a widow with two children her daughter is uh, me- uh healthy both mentally and physically but her son was with her- the father when he was murdered on the street so he's become i guess mute and The police refuse to look into the crime because they just think it was a drug-related crime. They think he was a petty drug dealer. She's absolutely sure it was not that because her husband was not a criminal. And then some odd things begin to happen where, living in the area she lives, which is fairly uh, working class, a two-bit drug dealer steals drugs from a big dealer, uh, hides out in her house, and she has to protect her family from him. And then that leads to figuring out that the murder of her husband may be something more nefarious than she ever thought. And the ending is absolutely phenomenal. It's probably one of the best horror endings you'll ever see. So, yeah, A Good Woman is Hard to Find, uh, directed by Abner Pistol. two of the biggest thumbs up I can give a film for 2020.
0: I will definitely have to check that one out as I is another film that literally I missed.
1: Yeah, and the good thing is, it's uh, right there on Shudder. And as you said, you you subscribe to Shudder. So uh, um, you can check it out whenever you want. Yep, big thumbs up.
0: My number one film of 2020 is literally the last film I watched in 2020. The first thing I thought when I finished this film was... That this film is definitely without a shadow of a doubt the horror genre's version of Fargo. I'm talking about a film called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. It is written, directed, and stars Jim Cummings. This film got my interest because this is one of the last films f- from Robert Forster, Rest in peace who's done some really good work such as uh, Jackie Brown oh uh, the
1: the the lady in red a Roger Corman film from uh, back in the 70s Twin Peaks uh,
0: I was that's what I was thinking of too
1: Okay yeah he was on Twin Peaks too all right there you go yeah Yeah, I
0: was yeah just thinking he, he, I I literally oh, the Black Hole
1: Remember that film the Black Hole
0: Yep and also oh. it was in a lot of grindhouse films as well
1: Yeah, like Alligator. That was another big one in the 70s. Yeah.
0: So that's what initially drew me to the Wolf of Snow Hollow. This film was just great.
1: He's actually in a film that you just reviewed in your video vlog, too, uh, Uncle
0: Sam. Yeah, Uncle Sam, too, which I haven't seen yet. But uh, you literally did the video vlog with basically all the pickups I picked up.
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah, and he's in that one, too.
0: Yes, he is. And that's probably one of the reasons why I also picked that film up. Now, back to The Wolf of Snow Hollow. This was a very good film. This was one of those films where I could say, this is the best film of any year. This film has great direction. This film has very good performances. Not only by Jim Cumming... It also has good supporting performances from Robert Foster, which I just mentioned. Ricky Lintome. Everything was just good. It's quirky. It's bloody. It's one of those films where it balances everything out to make it a very great film. And it has a very good ending as well. This is definitely a film people should be going out of their way to check out as the Wolf of Snow Hollow is currently on DVD and Blu-ray in VOD. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen this one. Um, I know uh, one of my co-hosts on the Dark Discussions, uh, co-host Mike, he actually has it in his top ten. Uh, a lot of folks are saying it's really good. Uh, I know Jason Lloyd of Horrorphilia gave a big thumbs up. Uh, I think uh, Mark, Lynn, uh, Mark from uh, what was, what was the Cast uh, actually uh, said it was big big film for him too uh so yeah yeah i've heard a lot of good things about it Uh, i think i kind of skipped it only because i think it's only vod rental or at least when i was looking at it it was only vod rental and you you only have so much time and so much money to spend on on watching films and so that's the only reason i skipped it
0: Yeah, definitely check it out when you have a chance it is just that good nice Well, Philip, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast and talking about the best films of 2020. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um,
1: It's always fun talking about films from the prior year and ranking them, uh, doing the retrospect and all that. And our lists weren't uh, much alike, which is interesting. So this is, I think, the first year that uh, I've uh, co-hosted with someone where we didn't have one film that was identical, which was kind of odd.
0: Yeah, I think it, maybe it's because of the fact that there weren't consensus films released this year, which is probably one of the reasons. Because we were supposed to get A Quiet Place 2, The Candyman Reboot, and a ton of other horror films that never got released, got pushed back to 2021. So... I'm hoping next year it's going to be a big year for horror once the theaters reopen and everything. So I'm hoping 2021 is going to be a big year. As there's a lot of films I want to see that carry over from last year. Plus you also got Terrified 2 probably coming out as well. Hopefully this year. So 2021 is going to be an interesting year. I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast again, Philip. Yep, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And have a good day. You too.
1: Welcome to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. A weekly podcast where the discussion is about the most recent horror and genre films. Intelligent talk on a genre that deserves intelligence. A conversation between co-hosts discussing not only the film but also the connotation that the directors and screenwriters are trying to articulate. When you want more than a review, listen to Dark Discussions.
0: Speaking of perception, there's just one
1: more scene I want to talk about, which is after Caleb discovers that Kyoto
0: is a robot, Kyoto kind of peels off her skin, showing him what's underneath. Now, wait a minute. I know where you're going with this, but tell me you weren't already thinking this 15 minutes earlier in the film. Exactly what he's thinking at that moment. Which is he's a robot, too. Oh, I consider the possibility. Right, and that's what I like, is the fact that the writers are smart enough to know that this is what the audience would be thinking. We've all seen Blade Runner. Right, exactly. <laughs> (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. www.darkdiscussions.com, wherever podcasts are found. They're coming to get you, Barbara.
0: This is Carrie. This is Billy. This is Mr. Poe. And we are from a podcast from beneath. You can catch us every Wednesday wherever you find. Your favorite podcast. Don't forget, you can find Anthony Power Show on social media over on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app at Anthony Power Show, on Twitter at Anthony Power. If you liked this episode, you can subscribe to Anthony Power Show over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. You can also catch Anthony T's horror show over on DocDiscussions.com, where you can find my podcast and other podcasts on the Doc Discussions Network. What's Anthony T watching? Well, yours truly is watching a film that was definitely not. P.G. In fact, yours truly was watching his first 2021 film of the year, as it's never too early to start thinking of the best of 2021. Now, this is a film that is directed by a director who has directed such great films as Manbog. That was a good one. The Void. That was definitely a very underrated horror film. People should definitely check that film out if they're in the mood for something very frightening. That is a great film that I don't see many people talk about, but surely worth checking out. And yes, he did do a Leprechaun film as he directed Leprechaun Returns, along with co-directing Father's Day. I'm talking about Stephen Kostansky. And yes, he has yet another film out. More in the vein of Manborg and Father's Day. It's called PG Psycho Gorman. That's right. A film titled Psycho Gorman. That's where filmmaking has gone in 2021. When you have a film titled Psycho Gorman. And get the... PG reference in the beginning. This film would have been seen by me no matter what. Because the trailer for this film is just insane. And the film itself makes the trailer look like a Disney movie. Because it's just 90 minutes of pure insanity in a very good way. I really had a lot of fun with this film. As this really goes back to the Astron 6 days in which Kostansky was a part of for Father's Day. As this film is just crazy from start to finish. This is like one of those films where bleep happens. And it's just out of control. One of the main things I really liked about this film was the way that the action sequences ...were created and executed. Because this film could have been just a garbage film. But Kostansky does a good job with the way he sets up his scenes... ...whether it's in the screenwriting process... ...or the way he directs them. Because it provides very good moments in this film... ...which is just gonna make you laugh. Seriously. This is one of those films where you just check your brain at the door... This is some of the stuff that you will never see a major studio do. Seriously. This film is pretty much about a girl and her monster. It's just crazy. And Kostansky does a very good job making sure that there's so much absurdity in this film that you're having a fun time watching this film. I like how he really does a great job with the humor in the film. Because he really balances that out very well with a lot of the horrific scenes in this film. This film is very gory. I would even say this is over-the-top gore. But this is more of like a splatter comedy, if anything. It's just a great film. I really can't say enough. I kind of wish this was released At the last part of 2020. Because that would definitely have been out of my top 10 films in 2020. Because that film is just so fun to watch. And I'm literally surprised that this was a fun film. It really lived up to the expectations of the trailer. And besides the screenplay and the action. I thought this film had very good gore effects. Very good special effects. And very killer creature effects. I really liked the look of the way the creatures looked in that film. It's just amazing at how much Kostansky and his team did with a low budget. Because this film was just top-notch effects. With all the gore and everything. It's just insanity. It is just one of those films where you really have to check your brain at the door. This is just pure fun, very gory, very entertaining, and also has a very good story that really complements all the insanity that goes on in this film. Definitely rent this film on VOD. I'm definitely going to buy this film when it hits Blu ray because that's not a question. That is just 90 minutes of pure insanity. It really. Is one of those films where it's a complete 180 from the void, as this is just fun to watch and really is something that fans of Troma will enjoy. I can guarantee you that much. If you love Lloyd Kaufman or Troma's work, you will definitely love Psycho Gorman. It's gory, it's over the top, and it's just fun from the first minute to the last minute. Please rent this on VOD as this is a really a fun film. And quite frankly, this would have easily made my top 10 list of 2020 if this film hit in 2020, but it didn't. It got released, I believe, a week ago. So definitely check out PG Psycho Gorman. It's pure insanity that horror and gore fans are going to enjoy. As this is literally the first five-star film of 2021. I just love this film. And you should definitely rent this on VOD. As Psycho Gorman is pure trauma-esque insanity. I told you I had a major announcement at the beginning of the podcast. And the major announcement is Anthony T's Hour show now has an official Facebook group. So type in the Anthony T's Horror Show podcast group on Facebook, and there you can join the official podcast group of Anthony T's Horror Show. It's going to be different from the regular Facebook page, as the regular Facebook page will feature more of, like, pictures of stuff that I brought, throwback Thursday photos, plus podcast announcements and everything you'll have all the news regarding the podcast and the various posts on social media but the podcast group is where i'll talk about news stories where you can post your recent episodes of your podcast youtube videos so on Just type in Anthony T's Horror Show Podcast on Facebook, and you can join there. Also, I'll stop production on the second part of my Black Friday video very soon, so keep an eye on that. With that, definitely subscribe to Anthony T's Horror Show on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to this episode. Have a good day. Stay safe and support indie horror.